Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for being here. Thoroughly appreciate it. We also thoroughly appreciate anyone who has subscribed to our newsletter. If you haven't done that yet, then subscribe. We have a link in the bio. It's done in the same vein as this podcast. It's to help you find your inspiration. So uh, check that out. We still have the funkiest theme song in comedy podcast history. So uh, very, very thankful for Neil Brooks for this awesome, awesome theme song that he wrote the music for. We have a great guest today. We have, as you see in the bio, a writer, a performer, director, and producer, Molly Kiernan. And there's a little backstory. So... About a year ago, this is like a year in the making. About a year ago, we actually recorded an interview. It was great. I was very excited about sharing it. And then my hard drive died. And it died before I had a chance to back up that interview. So we lost it. It was lost to nonsense. And um, I was very upset about it. But finally, it worked out. And she has since moved, so we're now having a completely different conversation than what we had a year ago, but still a really great interview because she's a delight. She's super talented, and she's got a really big heart, and all of that shows in our chat. And I'm just really excited to share the greatness that is Molly Kiernan with you. So here's my chat with Molly Kiernan. It's really great to hear from you again because it's been a while. Been a while. I know it's crazy. I'm going to be back in New York um, first week of October, though. So I'll see people then. Oh, great! I hope uh, I hope it works out that I get to see you. Love that. Scout's going to do a show on that Monday, so I'll keep you. I'll keep you posted. Oh, okay. Where at? Uh, we're actually doing it at the Loft. So I'm really excited that uh, that that uh, you're you're going to be back in town and and doing a show here. So I can't wait to see that. I got to be in the five year anniversary show of You Are Not Alone, which you are oh, you know one wow. of the main members of for for a stretch there, right? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. How was it? It was a really fun show. Really great. And um, uh, Aaron mentioned beforehand that you know it's become a running sort of uh, uh, tradition for somebody at the end of the show when we go down the line and say our names for somebody to say Molly Kiernan. (laughs) And um, since other people didn't, uh, I selfishly stole that and said it myself. (laughs) Yes. uh, Good. I love that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. If Tom was there, I would have, you know, I would have let him say it because I'm pretty sure he was the one who I've mostly seen say it. But he he was sick, so he couldn't be in the show. Do it. I love that. Yeah, I I was. I'm so honored. I'm glad um, the tradition has remained. Yes. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's go back a little bit here and talk about 
how you started out in comedy. I know that there's some things commonly known about you. Uh, one is that you are a delight. Um, but <laughs> also because you mentioned it in the Magnet Theater podcast that you, like many improvisers, you found your people when you found improv. But also when you found improv, it was during a difficult time in your life. Is that correct? Correct. So I found improv when I was, I'm 29 now. I found improv when I was 25. Um, and I was, I'm recovered from an eating disorder, which I talk about a lot. Um, it was uh, at that point in my life, I, you know, had been struggling for like five or six years. I kept relapsing. I was in and out of treatment, um, was just going through a lot, was very depressed, um, had a job where I was overworked. So it's just kind of, as, as you said, like many comedians kind of have stories like this. I just needed like anything to help me get out of my head mm -hmm. um, and meet people. Like I was feeling lonely in New York, all that stuff. And um, you're from where? Before you moved here, you you lived where? I'm from Connecticut um, right. originally, but I had been, I was in, I went to Notre Dame in Indiana for college. Mm -hmm. So I was out there, then moved to New York. Um, had never like thought about doing comedy or acting or writing or anything like that. But my, you know, my sister is my older sister is my best friend. Mm. She's uh, the coolest. She's a teacher in Chicago. Um, and at the time, I mean, she is like a big comedy nerd. She'll never do it. Like I've tried to get her to do it and she, she won't like take a class. Mm -hmm. Um, she goes to all, she goes to so many different improv shows, uh, all over. She goes to, um, she like would fly out to New York for DCM every year. Like she's oh, obsessed wow. every podcast. Yeah. So she would like send me um screenshots throughout the day of like different podcasts I should listen to like while I was at my sketch work. Uh -huh. Like comedy uh, bang bang and a lot of like comedy bang bang episodes, all that. So that's kind of how I like started learning about this world. And then she was just like, you should take an improv class. And I truly don't know why I listened because I was like, <laughs> depressed at that time. But, like everything people told me to do. I was like, no, you know, mm -hmm. uh, which was very easy, a very easy thing to fall into, uh, with depression. Mm -hmm. Um, I did, I, I Googled classes like, and I saw that the magnet theater, um, had a free intro class, like you could take, you know, one day of a class for free. Um, and so I took it, Rick Andrews taught it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, yeah, this is really cool. Like, I don't know, I don't really remember anything about the class besides just this feeling of like, okay, like I can kind of do this. Um, and uh, I signed up for Hannah Chase's level one that oh, like, day, I think. Mm. Uh, and kind of went from there. And it's, you know, obviously has changed my life in so many ways. Uh, right, but that's yeah. the big start. Yeah. And what job were you working that overworked you at the time? Or what, what field was it in? I was working in nonprofit. Um, yeah. So I, you know, was working in fundraising and I was an assistant. And, um, you know, it, it's hard. Nonprofit can get burnt out yeah. very quickly. I yeah. think that combined with my personal experience. Uh, health issues was, you know, a terrible combination. So, right. uh, yeah. So it was just kind of like, uh, sometimes like my one improv class on Saturdays or whatever became like the one thing I looked forward to all week, like the thing that would truly get me out of bed, you know, um, which was like very cool. 
Yeah, and you know, you also mentioned how it how improv doing improv changed your life in so many ways. One of those ways was the work that you got into yes. after because you you've been working in the comedy world and television for a while. Yeah, I've been working in TV for um I, yeah, I guess like 4 years. I think like I one like I think like one thing that happens when you start doing, you know, a lot of different hobbies, but like for me, especially improv was I just became obsessed with it and was like, okay, how can I be in this world in like 80 different ways, you know? Uh, and I, I got a job working as an assistant. Um, I think my first job in TV, I was working as an assistant, um, for broad city, but I was setting up like Abby and Alana's writer's room, like where they would write from in New York for like season four, I think. Um, so I didn't ever interact with them. I just interacted with the producer. Like it was super behind the scenes and it was a hard job because I was like alone in this apartment in New York. Um, uh, like basically just like setting it up from scratch, you know, like waiting for the cable guy to come. Like I had no real control over my own like time and schedule because it was like moving into a new home. Um, mm -hmm. but I was, you know, I had to like, I remember one time I had to like get a couch up the stairs, which I didn't do on my own, but like all the logistics, it was like, everything was just exhausting. And it was like this crazy, tiring, should have been boring thing, but, um, I just worked really hard at it. <laughs> and, uh, then I kind of kept getting hired by the same production company to do various assistant jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my, my last job for them in New York, uh, was, uh, working as um, an assist, working as a script coordinator on this on this last season of Broad City, so it like really came full circle, which was like very nice. And you know, I got to like interact with Abby and Alana all the time, and and be on set, and and really like be in it, which was cool. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. Mm -hmm. And uh, you've had a great run with that, and you're out in LA now. Out um, working. I now I'm an assistant out here to uh, two directors and comedians who I also met through Broad City. So still staying in that world. <laughs> yeah, and good for you. You know, I mean, that's uh, that's how people move along is yeah. they, they get in somewhere and then they just move up the chain uh, right. as they as they show that they are good people to be around, but also good workers. Yes, that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> yeah, the thing one thing I wanted to mention about you know going what you were going through when you got into improv was what I see what I think was a healthy way of going about improv and how it was benefiting you because a lot of people who are going through depression or just tough struggle in their life when they find improv, then they start using it as therapy, which a lot of people say don't do. What I think you've done well is that, you haven't done that. You found the healthy balance, which um, yeah. it's improv is therapeutic, but it's not therapy. And you've absolutely you've not. been therapeutic about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, w it felt like this like supplement, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I attribute my recovery to first to like therapy and medication, you know, um, but uh, when I started doing improv, like it, it gave me like a uh, some sense of like purpose, I guess. And I think that in itself was like, you know, really gave me like this final push to to keep going and to to get out of like what I was stuck in. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think people use 
improv as like oh you can tell when someone's like using improv as a way to like work out their issues on stage and you're like no thanks you know like I'm like that's not what this is for this is like an escape we're playing pretend you know right and it's not what you need because the other people in your scene cannot give you the answers absolutely they're, they're just other people who need therapy as well you know they're, <laughs> like some yeah. people might be super wise you know and i know the teacher will be able to be super wise but the teacher isn't there to give you advice on your life the teacher right. is there to give you advice on how to make comedy out of that scene you were just in so you know while they may be able to help with certain things and you will find it be to be therapeutic um, and, and you'll end up dealing with certain things. You might get better at listening. You might get uh, better at noticing the joy in the world and all that kind of stuff, which is valid in there and something you should take out of it. But no one is there because they have a degree in psychology. And, you know, so they're not, they're not going to be able to help you the way you need to be helped. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, like, like most like, you know, when you're going through something, people often say like, start a hobby, get a hobby. Uh, but that doesn't mean, you know, that that really replaces all of the other work and all of the other stuff. But it does help. Right, exactly. And one of the ways that it helps is doing fun shows. Like we mentioned, you are not alone. That mm-hmm. That's, you know, Aaron's been on the show and talked about the impetus of that show. And that's a way where it is therapeutic. Um, yes. And then you had the ice cream social. Yes. Another way that it was therapeutic. And it's it's a place where people can share who they are. And there is evidence to show that speaking things out loud helps. Um, and so it helps the artist to speak it out loud. And then people in the audience can then say, oh, I'm not the only one who's struggled with that or felt that way. Right. And and that's the community aspect that's also therapeutic. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I totally, yeah. So it's it's great that you've been able to see that and that you haven't fallen into the pitfalls that many have. And <laughs> um, you've also been a really encouraging and positive person to be around. And Thank you. Oh, yeah. I mean, like everyone says that about you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, it was great to have you in the community here. And I feel like you're still such a big fixture of the community, even though you haven't been here for a little bit. But um, I, f- I think you got in in such a nice way um, because then you also big sib. Yes. Yeah. 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 I big sibbed a bunch um, uh, when I, you know, was coming up, and I, I think I big sibbed like for three different classes, mm-hmm. um, two or three. Um, and I, yeah, I, I like to big sib. I like to do one of my favorite shows truly in the world is, um, what is it called now? It was called, we might just kiss the name has. Oh changed. yes. It's a, it's a show for women and mine, non-binary, uh, and, and yeah. trans women. And, um, the name escapes me because it's new. Um, but that's another example yes. of something that's therapeutic. Hearts and stars, maybe. I think it is like hearts and stars. Um, Sorry, Megan. I think it, I just looked on Facebook. I think it's hearts and stars. Okay. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> um, yeah, that show is was you know the for I think like it was like maybe I got asked to do that show. You know, because the, the premise of the show is is um, 
performers perform with students and like people who may have never been on the stage on my mm -hmm. stage mm -hmm. um and you know it, the first time I ever did that show was when I was like in level two or three and I was so scared and nervous and like barely went out you know like but was like on stage with all these like cool supportive women and and um you know all these inspiring people and then you know not uh, as a performer at magnet i did that show all the time because mm -hmm. i feel like it was this like incredible way to to like support people coming up and that were like trying things out and to just like get people on stage and i think that's a really like beautiful thing about the magnet specifically is that uh, the mag the magnet allows for that allows for people mm -hmm. to have space to perform even if they're green even if they're like not necessarily totally sure what they're doing yet and I think like that is what helped me become the performer I am today um, and not every theater does that and I think it's like very cool and special right it is I I'm fully there with you on that and there's so many shows like that um, because there's the diversity show and then there's an L LGBTQ show and uh and it's all in that same spirit yes absolutely and i i think that's really really important yeah another way that getting an improv has has really i would i like to say activated your life is that you were writing a bunch because you started writing uh, for reductress Oh yeah, I write for Reductress. Um, yeah, I started taking sketch at Magnet like pretty soon after I started uh, doing improv and mm -hmm. um, just started writing more and and got on some sketch teams there and uh, just kind of went from there. Like mm -hmm. um, uh, Reductress is so fun and funny and and I pitched to them I think like two or three times before I got like accepted as a writer. Um, and, uh, it felt like this cool accomplishment. Um, yeah, like the ability to like write funny things is not something I thought I had like seven years ago. So now that I can do it and, and, you know, be on this cool platform with it is, is so lovely. Yeah. I love Reductress and, um, when a, a friend who writes for another friend who writes for Reductress emailed us saying, "Hey, you're in New York and they're looking for photographer, like for for uh, oh, stock photos, yeah, this, uh, models for the stock photos." <laughs> I jumped at it. Yeah, of course. And yeah. as did Justina. Yeah, you and must. Who we should mention because when we had to reschedule this interview, she said, "I want to interview her. Can I interview Molly?" And I said, yeah, but the reason I am, I'm here instead of her is because she went out of town yesterday. <laughs> She's oh. going to be gone for a couple weeks. <laughs> and I was like, this is when uh, she could do it. And she's like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> like, I, I understand. Um, she adores you. And I, and I, I think uh, somebody, it wasn't just seen, I think it was Robin McNamara. But it might have been Elaine Bledsoe said that they they feel oh. that you were like the mascot of Magnet. Oh, that is so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I think it is because like what you were saying about Magnet and what it what you like about Magnet is something that you personify. Like you really are such Thank an you. inclusive person. That's what you showed um, as 
you know, being a big sib and always encouraging people to come out, you very instantly were very welcoming and encouraging to me and supportive in a big way. And even like, thank you, uh, you know, uh, like more than just like giving me, uh, you, know, you know, advice or, or, um, uh, saying nice supportive things to me, but even like having my back at times where it's like, before I even knew you super well, you know, you would sort of advocate for people and if, whether you know them super well or not. And it's just something that I think uh, is inspiring, but also it's one of the things I most admire about you because it's really, really hard to speak up for yourself. And it's, I feel like it's even harder to speak up for other people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thank you for saying that. That's so nice. I think like, um, Part of it is is that like I love the magnet ha- like provided this home for me when I mm-hmm. truly didn't feel like I had one, um, and gave me this community that like as we've said has changed my life. So I think like it feels very natural to me to to give that back, you know, yeah. uh, to support back. It kind of just is like oh of course um, I'm gonna do that. I also think that like um, it's important for for people in in any sort of like position of privilege right to to advocate for other people like I you know was lucky enough to be on house teams at the theater um and and I think that like when you're in that position like sometimes it doesn't feel like much but to students and to people who are coming up it is and it's like Mm -hmm. yeah people in your shows who normally wouldn't be able to get on stage, um, uh, talk to people, hang out with people, like just be a person that um, can advocate for people coming up, especially, you know, women and people of color. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and you know, comedy has such a problem of being like mostly white men. That it's okay. like, let's get, let's use our, our position to get other people, um, get other people in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a, needed thing and and i think one of the things that's refreshing about the way you approach that is um there's so many people at least online where they just feel like they are kind of getting on a soapbox for their own sort of ego stroking their own ego about this very important and necessary subject whereas it never feels like you are just trying to hear yourself speak you're you're really saying like hey we're a community and let's all remember that And and all of these people are part of this community, which is bringing everyone together, not lifting someone up while tearing someone else down. Right. And yeah, it's an interesting thing, too, because like, I mean, you know me, I'm a freaking stage hog. Like, (laughs) like, don't get me wrong. I love, you know, (laughs) I love attention. (laughs) And so much about comedy is selfish, right? Because Mm -hmm. you're. You, you want you want to get laughs. You want to be funny, but what I love so much about improv is that you can never fully be selfish, or you're gonna be really bad at improv. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah, it is like the combined thing of like yeah, I do comedy because I want people to <laughs> to laugh at my jokes. Um, but I also am lucky that I I feel I feel lucky that I that improv was the thing I fell into first because it taught me. You know, that you really can't, you can't get laughs, um, at least when you're improvising, without, you know, the support of of your teammates setting stuff up for you or whatever. Like, right. And I you supporting what, the scene and, and everyone else. Yeah. And 
I think one of the, like, I forget someone, I have a coach out here in LA who, who was saying this, uh, the other day, he was saying how, like one thing that he loves to do is just like repeat the same line someone else said. So I mm. feel like, and you see this a lot, like you're in a scene and like someone says something and it like doesn't get it, maybe doesn't get a huge laugh or whatever. And when one of their teammates just repeats it, like that is mm-hmm. a sign that sometimes can signal to the audience that was funny. And then yeah. everyone, laughs. Uh, yeah. it's hard to. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to explain out loud, but I feel like you know what I'm, I'm I totally know what you mean. It's that thing of, like, somebody said it, and maybe it was uh, – it just felt under the radar. Yeah. And, and everybody heard it, but they just didn't consciously recognize it. And so someone repeating it made them sort of consciously recognize what Absolutely. was going on. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I love that. I think it's, like, such a good example of – like such a simple example of support mm-hmm. and like how just someone having your back in a very small way can make a huge difference. Oh yeah. I think I'm someone who doesn't do that as well as I could because so often I'll hear what somebody says and I'll go, mm-hmm or <laughs> yeah. And then I will um, say what I like the train of, I'll stay on the train of thought that I had before they said that line and, it, yeah. and then I'll, I'll try to find a way to, like, wrap it in, but it's not really – it's it's still kind of false because it's not, it's not responding to that. It's not really reacting to that. It's acknowledging it, uh, but then staying where you were going. Yeah. I mean, I do the same thing all the time. And, and obviously when you're, like – especially if you're in, like, a group scene or something, you're balancing so many different things that yeah, it's, it's, like – it's definitely a balancing act. Yeah, you really on the fly have to be like, what's important? What's what do you know? What do we respond to? And and when you watch really good teams, like it's they're good because they're so good at doing that, um, making those decisions on the fly and like knowing what the right decision is. Um, yeah. But it's like so hard. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> and it's so the the like advice to help that is so simple. It's just like listen. And absorb it (laughs) and then react to it. Yeah, I um, I had a teammate. This is another like example of one of my I'm I'm currently on a a UCB mess hall team out here in L.A. And Mm. um, I it made me think of we did this like we were in rehearsal and we were doing a stupid group game uh, that was like such a mess. My team is like, I love them. We're all psychos and like everyone is loud. So like so often our group games are like insane. Um, But we were doing a group game and like someone, someone like did a walk on and I, this is so crazy to explain out loud. I'm obviously not going to explain the whole scene, but someone did a walk on and I labeled them like the doctor of love or something. (laughs) But it was Across, it was from across the room, and and everyone on my team was like being loud, so no one heard me except for my uh, this really this guy on my team who's like the only quiet one. He's so fucking funny and good, and he was standing next to me, and he heard me, and we both looked at each other and laughed because like it clearly just no one heard. So then he just yelled, he like yelled it again, and then I yelled it again, and like no one was hearing us, but it was just like our coach was like dying because we were just like standing in the corner being like, yeah, she said that, yeah, he said that, um, and it was so stupid, and we wouldn't do it in a show because it was a thing that ultimately did not matter at all but it was like this 
sweet little like bonding and like this moment of him being like, yeah, I think that's funny too. I'll say it. Um, which I love. Like that those, is those moments are so fun. Cause they're, it's like some small thing that was funny sometimes. Like that's a moment as well where there's like a small thing um, that happened and it's only funny to you. And then you look at the person who did it and, and they see you finding it funny and you just start giggling together. Right. It's great. I mean, I, uh, you, you probably know this about me too, but I have like a very loud laugh. <laughs> um, when I'm in an audience, people often know that I'm there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, I love, I'm like, I find that the things I laugh at the most sometimes are like, stuff that no like a little line that like no one else has laughed at which is another reason why people always know i'm on a show because i laugh at like weird times um (laughs) yes i love those little moments where like something even in an audience where like someone says something that like just hits you the right way and it might not necessarily be like the biggest laugh of the night or even like a laugh for anyone else but i love those moments because it makes me feel like I'm, it's like an inside joke between me and that improviser or something, you know, like, um, it's super encouraging when you recognize a laugh in the audience. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And and it's like, especially if I only hear you laugh, that's happened when it's (laughs) only you or, you know, only Lewis Kornfeld or or somebody and you go like, ah, you know what? I got their laugh and that's good. That's all I need. Like a Lewis laugh is what a gift, you know, it's like (laughs) the best. Um, I had Peter McNerney one time I went to a, this was like recently I went to, uh, or like before I moved, I went to a level um, six show, a team performance workshop show. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it was, it was not year round. It was like the round after I believe. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I went, sat in the back with Matt Abedi, uh, who was coaching one of the teams and I, I think I'm like being a normal audience member. I get up after the show and Peter was like, Peter was sitting on the other side of the back and he goes, man, you always know when Molly Kiernan's at a show. That's so funny. Uh, and I loved it. Like I was like, hell yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, it's like Veronica, who's another magnet great and embodies the joy that is magnet. And um, yeah. she has a, a noticeable laugh as well. And it's always such a, like, good shot in the arm when you get her to laugh. Oh, absolutely. It's like, it's uh, it feels so good. Ah, it feels so good. Great. Those are great. Um, I, I've been told that I have a somewhat recognizable laugh. Yes, um, I think so. And I'm a... I'm, Justina's mom has said I'm a good audience member because I like clap at the right times or I can encourage clapping or I laugh really well. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm so supportive of the show. Um, and I, you know, I, I like that. I like that. I got that. <laughs> I think that's cool. I think it's so funny, like the, the different ways people respond to uh, respond to comedy. Like I know like one person, like Dimitri Shine, another mm. wonderful Provider at our theater. He, uh, used to, he rocks. He yeah. used to tech a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. So he w- and he still does sometimes. But he was at a point where he was like seeing like three shows a night or whatever. So he was like he was like kind of numb to improv. So I know like so he would he doesn't laugh all that much. Mm-hmm. And so when I would do a show and he was in the audience, if I heard him laugh, I'd be like, yes. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I've ever made Dimitri laugh from something I did on stage. 
I think off stage I've said things that he's gotten a kick out of, but I don't okay. know that he's laughed at anything. On stage. Body Work is my favorite team. Oh, they're the best team. They're so and, good. And I, that is the team that I really don't want to suck in front of, and I have several times, <laughs> but I don't ever want to. There's so many people on that team that I want to make laugh. Oh, yes. They are... Uh, Bodywork is such a good team and a lovely example of like um, a unique chemistry that yeah. makes them different than watching any other team. They're great. Yeah, yeah. I I'm waiting for the day where I can write my megawatt highlight for <laughs> listeners who don't go to Magnet. There's just a Magnet community on Facebook, and um, there's a, a the day after musical megawatt or sketch night or megawatt someone says like hey post your highlights from last night your favorite moments from last night's shows and uh i'm waiting for the day that i could be like well i made people in body work laugh <laughs> like i made michael <laughs> well, Lutton I, laugh last night i quit comedy now <laughs> the top yeah i totally get it it's uh yeah it's really nice to make people you admire laugh. Yeah, you know, yeah. People, people that uh, you want to learn from. And, and, they're, and they're not like bad people who like don't care about you. It's just that it's Michael Lutton is the artistic director and he's been teaching like all of the yeah. musical megawatt, musical improv. And he was the, he's the musical megawatt director. So he, like Dimitri, he's seen a lot. So he's just, uh, you know. It's, yeah. it's a harder laugh, not in a bad way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all delightful people. Um, yes. So you mentioned that you're out in L.A. now. We've been talking about that, and you're on a team. I have a couple of questions. One, what is Mess Hall Night? So Mess Hall is, uh, if you're familiar with like UC, the UCB system in New York, there's Lloyd Night and Harold Night. Right. Mess Hall is kind of L.A.'s version of Lloyd. It's a little okay. different. Um, it is, I, you know, it's, it's like, a, it's, te they're technically house teams. Um, we perform on a different stage than like Harold Knight does. The mm -hmm. season is only six months. So actually my last, um, team, uh, my last show with them as a house team, like we'll probably keep playing together, but my last UCB show with them is tonight. Oh, wow. Um, so it's sort of like how things were here before the beast closed. Um, the UCB East was where Lloyd Knight was mostly performing. Yes. Yeah. They're a little so, different. Like, Lloyd Knight is a year long in New York. Uh, yeah. It's not in LA. Um, so there's differences and stuff. Um, Can teams but, get renewed? Is it, or is it only six months? No, it's only six months and then okay. it's a totally new system. Um, and okay. whereas like, in New York, sometimes Lloyd teams will be like bumped up to Harold Knight or like performers from Lloyd will be moved up to Harold. Mm -hmm. um, Mess Hall isn't, it's more just, uh, it isn't that sort of program. It's like um, you you audition again. So like uh, we're in the middle of Harold auditions now. I get it. Okay. Um, uh, so yeah. And I know that some might hear that and think, oh, that's awful. But when you have so many students, um I would imagine just to be fair to the new crop that's coming through, you have to just make more room. Yeah. I mean, I think both systems are good. You know what I mean? Like I haven't been out here long enough to, to judge too much. Um, I just feel very lucky to have been able to, to, you know, be on a mess hall team right when I got out here. Cause I met right. these like 
an incredible, uh, funny people right away. Um, so that is really like the best thing it did for me. And, you know, I got to work on, on, uh, the specific, the UCB style Herald, uh, which I hadn't done for a while. Cause with my team at magnet scout, we did Herald's, but, uh, different approach is more relationship based. Uh, and pretty like, uh, we didn't follow the form to a mm-hmm. T very much. So it was definitely a challenge when I first got here to be like, Oh yeah, I can't just like edit this <laughs> out of this scene whenever I want and tag to a group game or whatever. Like I got to, uh, follow this structure. So it was right. like, you know, it was good for that to learn, to like kind of relearn the structure and just to like hang out with cool people, honestly. Yeah. And one of the questions I have about that move is that I didn't know that you did UCB stuff at, at in New York. Did you? Did you go through the curriculum there? I went through the curriculum there, um, started there probably like a year and a half after I started at Magnet just to okay. kind of do more. I'm obsessed with improv. So and that's what <laughs> yeah. And that's what led the way for you to get on a team when yes. you got out to LA. Okay. Well, that- made me like eligible to be able to audition when I got out here because I've done the whole program mm-hmm. um I auditioned in New York and uh when I and mess hall the round of auditions I did when I got out here you had to be recommended by a teacher and one of my New York teachers happened to be in LA out in LA teaching at the time oh so great he, I believe he recommended me or, or something like that and um I, you know I got to audition and that was like two weeks after I got here so it was um really not like the timing was really nice because I kind of got like thrown in the, into the community more quickly than I would have been able to otherwise. Yeah. That's a, that's a good situation. Is there sort of advice, especially since it, it, because it happened so quickly, I'm sure some people say like, well, that's unique to you, but it's also such a, for lack of a better term, such a pressure cooker, immediate sort of fast going through it all thing that, you could probably give really good advice to someone who is moving to another city and wants to um, get on a team at a, at a big theater. Uh, what advice I, could you advi- uh, could you give someone who's moving to some other city? Well, I would say, like, um, regardless of whether or not, because it is, it's a crapshoot whether or not you can get on a house team, you know, mm-hmm. um, and auditions are hard and and whatever, all that stuff. And I think, like, my advice is to not depend on that, is to also like get into the indie scene quickly, which is another thing that I did do. I I took a class right when I got out here. I took a class with Will Hines. Um, Oh, cool. He rocks. Yeah. And I met some people in that class who started taking me to shows that are uh, the, the big indie venue out here is called the clubhouse in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Similar to, you know, uh, maybe the pit. Cause a lot of indie teams can get on there. Exactly. Yes. Um, it's, it's really like community run though. Um, okay. So maybe more like Brooklyn comedy collective. That's yeah. not as, I don't know. That's maybe. We get it with community. I don't need to yeah. <laughs> put a, well, something the listeners don't necessarily know about if they don't live here. Um, yeah, but I kind of started doing shows there right away and, and, and asking, you know, just, saying like I think I got to a point in New York where I was doing a lot of improv but I wasn't necessarily like saying yes to every indie show anymore or like you know be just honestly mostly because of my work schedule but when I got out here I was like okay anytime anyone asks me to do any show I'm gonna do it um and that got me into the scene really quickly so 
yes, I love my mess hall team and like, I'm so lucky to be on it, but I also am doing a lot of improv outside of that just on my own. Um, you know, like with, with indie in, in indie shows and stuff, because you can't depend on a house team, you know, like mine's going to be done soon and, uh, I still want to keep doing a ton of improv. So I will. Yeah. And it's a good thing to do because it gets you into a community, but also exposes you to things that maybe you didn't know. Like if it's something you normally would say no to, then um, doing it and seeing that it was great might be a really awesome eye-opening experience for you. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's nice to say yes as often as you can. Um, of yeah. course, like, you know, you, you'd want to give yourself the time to do all of the things you say yes to uh, professionally yes. and efficiently. But, um, you know, Absolutely. you got to take care of yourself. That's the first thing. Yeah. Um, but if, if the reason I'm saying no is simply because I'm being squirrely about it, then I, I shouldn't. Yeah, I should reconsider. Yes. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's like so important to say no when it's because you're taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just like moving to a new city was was scary. Like yeah. I haven't, you know, I hadn't left New York since I was, you know, I moved to New York when I was 22 or whatever, like hadn't left New York since then and was like, got out here and was had never been to L.A. before I moved here and was like, yeah. man, this could suck, you know, yeah. and, um, and you're I, driving a lot more. <laughs> you know, there's a lot to it. So different. Um, but yeah, and my job, I'm an assistant. So my job, like really all day, I kind of only interact with my bosses and I love them, but like I, I am on my own like most of the day. And so I would be really miserable out here if I didn't have this like indie community that I found. Right. Um, because those, you know, became, became my people out here. Yeah. Nothing and, will ever replace Magnet though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I just love Magnet so much. It's sort of like. It's uh, I didn't know, you know, I love my old scene, my old comedy scene in South Carolina. And so I didn't I knew I already loved Magnet before moving here, but I just didn't know how much that love for the scene here would grow. Um, yeah. So it's 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 a really wonderful place to be. And I, I love that there are also other wonderful places to be uh, yeah. in New York City and in L.A. and Chicago and all over the country and small awesome. cities and big cities. It's it's a great thing that's going on. Really is. We're at that time of the year when theaters are cutting teams and uh, getting, you know, people are going through auditions, like you said. And you said, you know, auditions are hard. Um, and then people will get disappointed because their team got cut and maybe they didn't expect to get cut or they felt like they had a good audition and then they didn't get on. What sort of advice would you give for that? Oh, what a great, what a, what a timely question to ask me. Mm -hmm. I truly had an, I had an audition for Harold Knight on Friday mm. and felt awful after it. I was like, mm. I don't think I bombed it, but I was like, man, I could have been so much better. Like I was really mm. beating myself up. Um, auditions are so hard <laughs> and, <laughs> and they are scary. And then yes, the results can often be disappointing. Mm. Um, and I think, like, my advice, man, I'm like, this is just probably going to be me trying to give advice to myself. Uh, it's like, it's not, you know, it doesn't define your 
worth being on a house team. It is so fun and it's a great opportunity to perform and play and it's an honor, but it also does not mean that you're not good if you don't get on, um, you know, it, it doesn't mean you're a, a lesser part of the community, I think is very important to remember, especially at Magnet. Like I felt, you know, I, I think like you're Magnet, you're, you're welcome no matter what, you know, you don't have to be on a house team or whatever. You just have to not be a shitty person. Right. Um, and so, and that's, you know, I'm speaking from my experience. I know everyone has like different experiences with it, but it's also like we can never depend on one thing, you know, like, um, uh, so if, you know, it's like, I really would love to, to get on a UCB team again out here, but I'm, I might not, you know, because there's a lot of people auditioning and I didn't have a great audition. Um, and so that will suck and I will feel very bad, but I'll keep doing improv, you know? I'll still have my friends. I'll still have my job. I'll still like my life won't be dramatically affected by that, you know? Yeah. And it is something I I love everything you're saying. And, you know, who knows? Because auditions are so weird. I've definitely had auditions for acting roles where I was like, well, I really sunk up the barn on that. And then I booked it. Um, And I wasn't crazy about my audition for a house team here. And then I got a call back and was like, well, wasn't expecting that. (laughs) And then I had, you know, it's sort of this thing of we're not watching ourselves. So we don't really know how we did. We just have in our head what we wanted to do and didn't quite accomplish. And it's kind of like a basketball player saying, oh, I want to have a triple double. I believe I have the capacity to have a triple double. And then they don't. And they go, oh, I had a terrible game. And the coach is like, what are you talking about? You made so many game-winning plays. Right. So it's you're just not – you're not watching yourself, so you're not seeing what other people are seeing. And also yeah. you're not uh, going into it with the same headspace that a casting director, a person, a, a, an auditioner is is having. Um, of course. Absolutely. So the people auditioning – are looking for something and it doesn't mean that what you have isn't good. It just means they're trying to fill a hole. Like I was just talking to, uh, there's this wine shop down the street from me and Justina and it's our, it's our wine shop. It's the place we like to go and we talk to the owners and the other day they were tasting wines and uh, cause uh, there's a guy there doing a wine tasting and he brought a shipment for them to try out to maybe buy it. And I said, how do you all make that decision? I'm just curious because I'm a nerd. And the guy said, well, you know, first we think about price point and, uh, you know, what our what we think our clientele would like. But then he also said, like, we're also just saying, like, does this fill a hole in our catalog here? And that's essentially what casting directors are doing. Like for an improv theater, they're saying, here are the teams that we have that are going to be up next season. This is the style that they are. What do we need? Exactly. You know, because you don't want to have eight teams that are the same or six teams are the same. You want to have a variety. And, uh, you know, if you want to have like, if you have a bunch of like, TJ and Dave style, then maybe you want to have like uh, some like fast paced sort of scenes. And so, yeah, it's kind of the luck of the draw. Like you may have just 
you know, it's a timing thing. It's not that you're bad. Or you're not, it's it's almost like dating, right? Like I, I wish I'd heard this advice when I was in college. Because <laughs> people in college, when I was in college, they would always say like, oh, it's just timing, man. It's just timing. You never knew what that meant. But it's just it's not that you are a bad person or an unworthy person or an undateable person. It's just not the time for this to work out. Right. And, and there are other time periods where it could. But. This just isn't that time for you. And that's okay. And it's okay to go. Th- it it sucks. It totally sucks to have disappointments like that, especially something you're working towards. But there is something to look forward to in that disappointment because it's something that can just make you stronger. And you realize, oh, you know what? I can actually handle that sort of uh, bad news or, or tough situation more than I would have thought. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, totally. I don't know that everything happens for a reason, but those things in this world, those things do, you know, shape you and, and, and they do make you, you know, maybe work harder or, um, put things into perspective a little bit more. Right. Any advice on giving good team names, coming up with a good team name for the people who are, (laughs) that's the real struggle. Once you get on a team, (laughs) the hardest thing, harder than any audition Harder than dealing with the disappointment and not getting cast is just deciding on a team name. Truly, yes. I think it is the worst (laughs) process in the world. I hate it. Um, And I normally end up not liking the name that's picked for my team. But as long as I'm not, like, vehemently opposed to it, I will be on it. I mean, I I love the team. I love everyone on it. My first Megawatt team was called The Heel, and I hated that name. That's a rough name. Yeah, it was like a wrestling reference. It's definitely a reference, yeah. Yeah, which I was like, okay, well, that doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) And it doesn't make team name sense. Yeah. And (laughs) and you know what? But in the end, it didn't matter. Like, everyone was so fun. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think you kind of pick a name and then the team kind of, um, you know, I don't know. It it, it doesn't end up mattering as much as you thought it would. Yeah. Uh, It's a tall order to sort of, from within the, the unit, to sort of define the vibe of the unit and the, right. a, a, a good team name or band name or move, name of a movie or whatever is something that embodies what the vibe is. And it's hard to just define that and be able to say something that really will. My team got lucky with Sweetheart because it was what Amanda Rothman called us. You know what I mean? Like she was just, so that's how she named us in her phone as uh, when she was trying to come up with a name for the group text. And she was like, sweetheart. (laughs) So we became sweetheart because. A good way. Yeah. I think like, I think uh, organically finding it is always the best. It just doesn't always happen. (laughs) Mm -mm. No. Um, And people it's, it's a, it's a tough process. Yes. I, I think the best experience I've ever had with it is um my team Astrotramps which was my second megawatt team we um that's just a fun put, name we put words into like a, a random word generator and we were like oh that's a fun combo uh yeah and from there my team scout was like 
I think also what you when you've been doing it for longer or whatever, it the name starts to become less and less important. So like <laughs> my first, you know, my first teams, it was like so important to figure out to vote on a name and stuff. And then by the time I got on Scout, we had all been on teams before, uh, and we were all kind of just like. I don't think it took us very long to just be like, okay, yeah, let's do that. It's Kim Brown's dog's name for like, oh. name. yeah. And we were like, that's a cute name. Wait, is it family dog's name? I don't know. I never heard. I never knew one way or the other. Fully well, might've it's, it had something to do with Kim's dog. <laughs> <laughs> Scout is a, I think, I think we... I just told a story that might not be true, but I think <laughs> it's true. I'll ask him. I like the name Scout. You know, like that. Part of the reason why it works is because it doesn't point to anything directly, right? Yeah, like it's it's, it's not like, okay, whatever. Yeah, right. it's not absurdly specific, and it's not something that is insulting to or offensive to hear. And I don't mean offensive in like uh, foul language. Sometimes people just push it a little too much and you're like, come on. Like I, I see what you're trying to go for and it's kind of BS. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, a name like scout works because it's like, okay, that means something to them. And it sounds like a name of something. Right. Exactly. I like that. I like it. So, I, and I also think, you know, get through the throwing out names, like throwing out ideas process quickly and then just sort of vote and vote on a scale of like one to five or one to 10 and anything that's four and five or eight to 10, just like whatever gets that many votes from everybody. um, Right. You know, don't, don't try to find the one that's everyone gave this a 10 because you're not going to easily find that. Yeah. There's no way. You know, if it's a seven or an eight, and then for a couple people, and then most people, it's like a nine. Then go for just, right. just yeah. As just long as no one hates it, right? Great. But even if someone hates it, like I hated the heel, like still whatever. <laughs> the name didn't matter. Like they were great people, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Also, don't overly push a name. Um, yeah. If if somebody's like pushing back on it because they hate it, don't make them go with it because you love it. Right. Yes, I agree. I'd rather everyone feel mediocre about a name. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, because then it's just like, who cares? You know, like, just don't put too much on it. Don't try to be funny with it. Some, you know, it can work if it's funny, but some are just, I think, like, (laughs) I think some people are half joking. I don't want to talk too inside baseball, but they might (laughs) have been half joking, but they might have really been, like, gung-ho about this, but they wanted to, after we had Sweetheart as an idea, someone was like, street meat. And people started laughing. I was like, how do I express in a nice way that I will never stand on stage and say, hello, we are su- we are street meat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, improv teams are all bad when you really think about it. So it's like, <laughs> what are we doing? You know, right, like every, yeah. all of them are bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like they're all like, you know, whatever. It's just a name. Um, you know, Dave Grohl hates Foo Fighters. He hates the name Foo Fighters and feels like he would really? You know, he said he said that like he's like, oh, it's an awful name, terrible name. Um, but it. you know, I like Foo Fighters because I like the the two Fs. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> we've reached the end of uh, of the episode. It's now time to create something together, and um, I I totally would be on board with if we did a duo. What we what should we name it? <laughs> um, 
because maybe if I put it out there, it'll happen. But then if there's okay. something else that you would uh, that's jumping out at you, we can do that. No, let's do that. That's great. Okay, awesome. Okay, yeah. so there are, are a lot of people who will try to do uh, a mashup of names, and that can work sometimes. Yes. Um, um, street meat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, oh, my gosh. We did, like, Jolly's kind of a cute name, which is, like, somewhat a mashup of our names. Oh, yeah, and I think that would really fit with us. I think it really would. We're both very – I think we're both jolly people. I think that'd be pretty good. Normally, I don't love like, name combo ones, but I'm like, that one works. I love that. <laughs> okay, we did that so fast. I feel I, like, what else should we make this show be? Just so, is it? It's a duo that does... Oh, uh, that's great. Yeah, what form would we do? Okay, that's... yeah. <laughs> Let's just build this out. Um, um, it's okay. Well, okay. What's your... I think with Chuprov, I like being very like loose with my form so i usually mm-hmm. like to start in a mono scene mm-hmm. and if scene is going well i'm like cool we could stay in this the whole time and if it's not we're free to edit is like my i love that when i do smaller cast shows all right i love that so we found that really quickly as well so obviously <laughs> this needs to happen but maybe we so maybe to keep the jolly idea in it um Maybe it's the, how do we get the suggestion, or yes, is it? Great question. So is it something like what's something you love, and we just hear like a few different ones. We don't necessarily take one, but we take a few things that we hear, and then we could even talk. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, I love um, YouTube music as well. You know, like um, yeah, have a little combo with the audience. Yeah, Let me a little bit. I love that. I think that's good. It's like a very casual interview style opening but not even just like little chats yes yeah that's great i love that um i love i love when you get a suggestion in a slightly more personal way it just feels nice even when i do do indie shows out here when i get the suggestion i usually say can we get a suggestion of something cool because it just like feels more fun to me than anything at all i'm like no make it something cool (laughs) i like that Uh, yeah, just I like to yeah add something like a teeny bit personal to it. Yeah, I like that as well because it also helps you sort of lock in because it's when sometimes when it's like a random. I like to give when I give suggestions. I like to give something that has maybe multiple meanings, like a like peak because that uh, could be peak my inst- my interest or peekaboo or peak of a mountain. You know, so it's like. It, yes. That can hit the team in several different ways. Are, um, now, are you someone who uh, gives suggestions a lot? Do you like giving suggestions? Um, I, it's not that I'm like I like it in the sense that I'm like I got to. I hope I get to. But I I'm I'm not someone who will shrink when someone asks for a suggestion either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. I free I clam up for some reason and I don't mm-hmm. know why. So bad at giving suggestions unless I'm coaching or something, but then I'm in yeah. control of it. Yeah. <laughs> but like at a show, I always want to give a suggestion and then I'm like, 
I wait like too long and I'm like, fork, like after they've already like, you know, given the suggestion and I always go like stupid like fork and everyone's like, all right, we got it. Okay. That's hilarious. I wish I was better is what I'm saying. <laughs> you don't have to be and that's the thing because there's always can dash I dash get dash a dot com. I believe that's. Uh, oh, the, the website. Yeah, it's yeah. like, can I get a, and then you just, um, it has a few different buttons that you can click. It's like relationship or random or whatever. And when I coach, that's what I would use because um, sometimes you have to, when you're coaching, you might have to give a lot of suggestions and it's just a lot. Um, but one good trick around that is think of something that you just did and give like I, I coached right after I came back from a, a weekend trip to Charleston. So all of my huh. suggestions were just inspired by things that happened that, or I saw that weekend. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Right. Or some people open a book and like pick up a, a yeah. word. Something's um, fresh yeah. in your mind. But I, I love the idea of getting a suggestion and instead of it, of having to go like, okay, that makes me think of da da da, like actually talking it out with uh, my partner, my duo partner, Molly yes, Kiernan. I, I love that. I think we'd be a great duo. I agree. There it is. Thanks so much, Molly, for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. This was lovely, and it was just so good to talk to you. I feel 100% the same. It's just really great to hear your voice again, so thank you for being on. Of course. What a joy. What a joy. Yeah. <laughs> And what a joy she is. Hopefully Jolly will happen. She has a couple of shows coming up in L.A. this Friday at 7.30. She has her stand-up show, Staycation, that she does with Jordan Myrick at the El Cid. It's free, and Sashir Zamata is on it. And this coming Monday, the 30th, Molly's Magnet Team Scout is doing a reunion show at the Pit Loft at 9.30. Find out more about Molly on her website, mollybkiernan.com, and follow her on Twitter at Molly Kiernan and Instagram at Molly B. Kiernan. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter, links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 